Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome back to God's Planning. I'm Father Patrick Mary Briscoe. Joining you, uh, well, with me, I should say, joining me. <laughs> here with me in Providence, those are words in the English language which you can understand, uh, is my classmate and dear friend, Father Gregory Pine. Father Gregory, say hello to everyone. Hello to everyone. It is my pleasure to be here with you now. So, as you know, we use the magic of the interwebs, um, the tubes and wires, the fascinating <laughs> system of uh, modern communication to often record the podcast uh, apart. So I, because of the magic of the internet, can talk to Father Gregory when he is in Washington, D.C., and I can actually be in Providence. But today, um, it's more realist, more, more Thomistic realism. There's an actual presence, right? A shared mm. presence because we are together. Yeah. As wonderful are the benefits of internet telephony, yet more wonderful is the communion of persons we now share <laughs> around this common microphone. <laughs> Let us break bread together. <laughs> we, we've... We have one microphone today. Yeah, there's something about that. The shared microphone. Mm-hmm. A symphony of sound. One mic, one pod. <laughs> All right, you're done. Okay. <laughs> uh, but seriously, how are things going? What are you up to? What am I up to? Okay, so Thomistic Institute Hustle. We are uh, here in Providence. <laughs> Not to... a side hustle. Exactly. Hustle. This is the main hustle. So here in Providence because we have a Thomistic Institute chapter at Brown University on the other side of town. And they're having an event this evening, so just coming up to visit with some students, the chaplain, attend the event, and just generally animate, pump up, uh, get get people excited about the Catholic intellectual tradition. And then tomorrow and the next day, there are events at MIT and at Harvard. So we have the one chapter at MIT and then three chapters at Harvard. So there's one for the undergraduates, one for graduate students, most of whom are studying politics and then one for the medical students. So the medical students are also going to have an event, and then they're going to have an event at MIT. So it's good to, it's good to visit with the students uh, on days that they have events, just to be present, to kind of fly the flag, and then to chat with them as people come out of the woodwork, help them with leadership transition, things like that. So, yeah, just visiting those three schools. Now, because Father Gregory is seven feet tall, it's easy for him to raise the tone of the conversation. <laughs> And you just pull it up to the to your own towering heights. Exactly. <laughs> to these places. I'm not even the tallest person in my family, though, so I really, I, I, I feel like a tall imposter on account of the fact that in a, in a family of six persons, you would think that I would distinguish myself by being six feet four, but my brother's six seven. It's it's staggering. It's gross. Uh, so I have to raise He's the tone. Six seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's gross in a good way. Um, so yeah, when I when I raise the tone, it has to be by more than mere fact of altitude. Mm. This is my life. This is profound. (laughs) It's beautiful. I'm feeling very moved and inspired at the present moment. Okay. Well, as you can see in Providence, we're off to the full swing of the semester here. Everyone is engrossed in their studies. Um, We had a uh, a wild feast of the presentation yesterday in the parish. (laughs) We we had a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful beginning of Mass a uh, candlelit procession, and then um, right as I was uh, winding down the homiletic portion of the Liturgy of the Word, if you know what I'm saying, um, the fire alarm went off because the pancake breakfast downstairs, so it was um, a, 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 a fully alarmed experience of the 
of the light of Christ, That's let's it. say. Yeah. yeah Although I was happy that it wasn't the candles or the incense. It was just bacon. It was just bacon. It <laughs> is nice, though, every once in a while when your homily is interrupted, because you're up there like you're, and you're saying the things, you know, you're like serious things about Jesus, who is to be taken seriously. And you're like, and I really believe this, and you should believe this, and everyone should believe this. And it's like, why? <laughs> and you're like, okay, well... Yeah. Also, Here we are. There's that too. <laughs> it, it's like it's the full, you know, ex- experiences like that in worship though are really just full scale experiences of the incarnation, right? Like this, this is Christ who desires to be worshipped in in a parish where mm. the, where the fire alarm goes off mm. every time there's a pancake breakfast. Yeah, the Lord will take flesh <laughs> on this altar, <laughs> which uh, not too long ago was being bathed in the sonorous and dulcet tones of our antiquated fire alarm system. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so that was that was our that was our recent worship experience, um, which is great. And people are really um, our, our our parish people are so sensitive, and they they really do a great job of um, coming back into worship from an experience like that that you know that part of it's deeply deeply moving right like everybody mm-hmm. has a sense of okay we have to kind of regroup and come back into the mass and yeah uh, and and try, try and pick up where we were so father joseph anthony sent around pictures at easter when the fire alarm was going off at saint thomas aquinas in charlottesville and mind you they're building a church so they've been having their liturgies in their parish center but the fire alarm was so deafening and you know like these huge trucks are showing up etc that you know like the liturgy has to go on. It's Easter. People are there. Some people are there for one of two liturgies for the year. <laughs> <laughs> we love them. We pray for them. Yeah. May they be saved. And so they see, he sent around pictures of them having mass there in the parking lot, which was really beautiful, actually. Um, the Lord's got to be praised, even when your basement's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Doing it. Um, so that's that's a little bit of the news from St. Pius Parish, our, our, our recent fire alarm encounter. But today we want we want to talk about the news we want to talk about getting into 2020. We know we have the presidential election on the horizon. Um, Brexit just happened. Um, and the, the news presents a significant challenge to American culture. It's something we have to deal with. We have to take seriously the events that are happening in the world. But so often they seem just completely at odds uh, with the goals that we would have for our own growth, for our spiritual life. So that's that's kind of what we want to get into today. How do we how do we interact with the news? How do we deal with um, how do we how do we cultivate the virtues that we need to engage um, the world as it's happening around us and has and especially how we experience world events um, through the news all right so that's the deal um, we have a couple great virtues from Thomas Aquinas that can help us with this so if you could kick off um, maybe maybe we could start with our own tradition with St. Thomas and um, what are the kinds of things he offers us yeah I think as as concerns the news on the one hand you're dealing with the things themselves right so it's good to be abreast of contemporary affairs in as much as it concerns your life, it concerns your family, it concerns your business, it concerns your polity, it concerns your church, right? So uh, it's not, typically it's not an option just to cut oneself off entirely from contemporary affairs. So, so on the one hand, we're dealing with things, but on the other hand, we're also dealing with how the things are communicated, right? right? So the particular media whereby we learn of the things. And I think that there are, that there are different virtues to be cultivated um, in those as with those different objects so right. there's so there's right. different things on offer as a result of which we have to engage with those different things in different ways so as concerns contemporary affairs themselves you think here of like wisdom and knowledge right so by knowledge we have our mind conformed to reality we want 
to know what is rather than thinking thoughts that are divorced from reality, right? We kind of get lost in our own narration of the events, which can be maybe ideological right. or maybe just false, right? So so when it concerns news, we want to, you know, like I think a lot of people are burned by um, especially partisan news, right? They have the sense that media is this way or it's that way and never the twain shall meet. Right. So we want to, we want to, I think a lot of people have a desire to really know what the things are so that their minds can reflect the things. And then wisdom, right? Wisdom in the classical tradition is a knowledge of highest things that shed light on contemporary or mundane things. So Aristotle will describe it as knowing the principles in the conclusions and the conclusions in the principles, which is to say you see how reality hinges. <clears throat> so you don't ascribe inordinate importance to contemporary affairs, but you see them as of a piece with what has gone before. And you're able to evaluate how very important this is when other, everyone else is losing their minds because they right, think right. things have never been worse or this is a golden age or how will we overcome this insuperable obstacle? And you're not cynical about it. You're not saying like, oh, you know, get over it. You're being histrionic. How much drama can one heart sustain? You know, whatever. <laughs> um, but rather you're saying like, okay, like things like this have happened before. And the church has weathered these storms. Our family has weathered these storms. What have people done? And how have they been successful? Maybe we want to cultivate some of the same dispositions. So that's just like concerning the things. But then we can talk about virtues too, concerning how those things are recounted. And I think here, St. Thomas has a lot to say about studiousness. And he also has a way of um, instructing us or informing us how to guard from a false or a bad unhealthy curiosity. So maybe, yeah, I mean, like, we can talk about our experience of engaging with news, but a lot of people have, have <laughs> they have thoughts on the matter. So everybody, you being more involved in news, you could say. And well, I mean, everybody has one of their, everybody has their own, their own thoughts on that. And uh, I'm, I, I really want to jump in kind of where you left off with St. With Thomas, right? And really get into that. I mean, so, so his ideas, his ideas of um, studiousness, uh, which is just sort of an antiquated word, uh, and it's, it seems it seems very well removed from where we are. But um, by that, Aquinas means how we form how we form our minds, mm -hmm. right? And this, that's so important to think about um, in light of the news. What are we taking in, and how are we how are we how how is what we're taking in shaping how we're thinking? Mm -hmm. That's what I, that's what I really want to hit. So if you could say a little bit more about that, yeah, sure. So. Uh, St. Thomas describes the virtue, but he also helps us to understand the virtue by describing the vice. And I think that in our experience, the vice has, um, what do you want to say exactly about that? Uh, the vice corresponds or resonates with our experience. So sometimes it's very clarifying. So the, the vice that he distinguishes from studiousness is curiousness. Right. And, and what does that look like? Well, he says, it's a kind of like intellectual thrill seeking. So... <laughs> He's reading St. Augustine, and in St. Augustine's Confessions, he talks about one of his friends who took inordinate delight in going to gladiatorial spectacles. And at first, this friend didn't, didn't want to even countenance the thought of frequenting this place because it was so horrifying to him. But then once he went, he couldn't take his eyes away. And we've all, you know, we've all experienced something like this. This is why there are gaper delays, because when you pass an accident, even though the way before you is not obstructed, everyone has to take the time to see what gruesome and grisly things have taken place on the side of the road. We want to see the things. You know, we can, it's, it's difficult for us to avert our eyes because we want to see the things. And here, Augustine takes it as an occasion for a discussion of, of curiousness. And he says it's like a bad way or a kind of bad manner of going about the getting of knowledge. 
And when St. Thomas describes it, he says that we can do this in any number of ways, and it's not important to memorize the whole list, but it's helpful to list it just for the sake of having a sense that not all knowledge is good, or not all knowledge is good to get. this is the key. Or not all knowledge is good to get at this moment or in this way. So he says, sometimes we're tempted to seek knowledge of things that that are less important over and against the knowledge of things that are more important. So here, you can think of just being up to date on all of the most trivial minutiae. Right. So, um, you know, like I like I like sports. I like keeping up with the NBA, but I don't know if it's 100 percent healthy and appropriate for me to get like bent out of shape by how slowly Ben Simmons's jump shot is developing. You know, <laughs> like I don't need to watch YouTube videos about Ben Simmons struggling from 12 to 14 feet as I like examine, you know, his whether he's shooting with his right hand or his left hand and what's the angle and you know, like I don't I don't probably need to that because there are other things to which I ought to devote my attention. So knowledge of things of lesser importance over and against things of more importance. And then he says sometimes we seek knowledge from the wrong sources. And here he has in mind like sortilege, you know, there are these biblical stories where like Saul wants to know the future and so he raises the specter of Samuel so he can consult him. It's like, yeah, you know, we're not, we're not meant to have seances. But also, as, like, when, when it concerns us, I, sometimes it's not good to always look stuff up. Like when you're having a good conversation with your friends and then somebody says, like, I wonder what the capital of, you know, Kazakhstan is. And then somebody, you know, busts out their phone and answers the question. It's like, you know, I, I guess it's good to know that, but I don't really need to know that. You know, it would actually be more fun to speculate about what the capital of Kazakhstan is. How old is is Shakira? That's what everyone was asking during the Super Bowl halftime performance. Yeah, everyone was asking that about the Rolling Stones when they performed, what was it, like 15 years ago? The answer to that was a thousand. Yeah, exactly. Those are just barely animate corpses up there. So that's the second one. The third is seeking knowledge without referring it to God. So sometimes we seek knowledge because we want to be in the know or we want others to think us in the know. And then the last is seeking knowledge beyond your own capacity. So sometimes, like, we want to know things in a kind of competitive spirit. Like, other people know the things, so I should know the things. But maybe those aren't the things for us to know. So as concerns the news, we can bring it back, you know, uh, that, that it's good to be cognizant of the fact that it's not always good to know all of the things or some of the things don't concern us and that there are ways to go about knowing the things which might not be healthy and might actually be bad for our formation as persons. So I know you, you have the experience with Alatea, so you're crafting the pieces, you know? Mm. And so for you, there's like a responsibility of doing that well and doing that in a way that is in keeping with the dignity of the human person. So Right. Yeah, these questions, these questions especially animate uh, my own editorial work. I mean, one, one of the questions that we're, um, as, a, as a Catholic news outlet, one of the questions that we're constantly asking ourselves is, does this piece bring someone closer to Christ? Mm. Is this in, is this inspirational in the deepest sense of that word? Not not just does this make me feel good, but does this help me account for my vision of reality? Does this draw me deeper into the mystery, uh, the mystery of God and the plans He has for the ordering of the universe, um, or is it nonsense? Or we're, we're, worse than worse than nonsense, does it detract from that? Mm-hmm. So though though we're, we're constantly on guard against that um, from journal, you know, the perspective of journalism of which I am. Um, uh, you know, begin, beginning to understand more deeply, thanks to so, so many great colleagues, um, the integrity of sources and um, the timing and presentation of our content are just so important, and they they align exactly with what Aquinas is asking here about um, here about curiosity. Um, is it is what we have reliable information? 
um, did this particular person um, really engage in this situation in this way? You know, we, we, we have to ask the fundamental questions all the time, um, which are good questions to ask, not just if you're authoring content or responsible for um, editing and overseeing it, but, but questions to ask as the one um, receiving it. Mm-hmm. These, these are great questions to animate a good reading of the news. Um, so I so I th- I think Aquinas with his with his virtue of study um, and as we've been talking about here um, the the vice of curiosity um, that that forms a really great foundation for how to, how to begin to engage with the news. Um, so at this point we're going to pause, um, collect our thoughts, and come right back uh, a little bit more about how we engage with the news ourselves, um, a spirituality of news, uh, and so on. So thanks for tuning in to God's Planning. We'll be back after this. This is God's Planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash godsplaining. Welcome back to our discussion about the news on God's Planning. I'm Father Patrick Briscoe, and I'm here with Father Gregory Pine. Uh, the first part of this episode, we were talking uh, about the what St. Thomas Aquinas can offer as a kind of intellectual foundation for cultivating the virtue of good study of virtues of the intellect and how to uh, how to engage the news well um, and so we, we just want to flush those we, we just want to flush those points out a little bit at this point um, you know because so often when, when we're listening to news when we're seeing things online um, we just feel assaulted or even like the disciples felt um, in, in the ship right that they were just being tossed about and that they're helpless um, so father Gregory what what are some what are some ways that we can engage the news well um, how can we put Aquinas's uh, virtue of living the intellectual life well in our own appro- appropriation of the news? Yeah, I think um, a good disposition with which to begin is to acknowledge what the news is trying to do to us and then what we want to do with the news. So a lot of news is commercial, so it's generated and packaged so as to sell. And if you're going to sell something, you usually appeal to those most base and instinctual desires of the human person. Clickbait. Exactly. So for the rest of God's planning, we're going to do Father Patrick and Father Gregory's 10 quick tips and tricks for <laughs> living a good news-filled life. Um, no, so we just have to be cognizant that news is trying to sell. And if it's trying to sell, it's going to appeal to those most base and instinctual movements in the human heart, which stir you up so that you consume. Right. So I think... The things that it's generally going to provoke are anger or outrage and then sadness. So it's going to typically leave you with the sense that the world is, you know, gone to hell in a handbasket and that there's no real chance of our recovering it and that we should all kind of look on as this death spiral consumes our present evil age in a great conflagration. So it's like, yeah, because, yeah, because we love to hear stories of, Whoa! We love to hear stories of destruction or love right. in a kind of in a kind of basic sense. And here, um, it's interesting that that the virtue of studiousness isn't isn't described by Saint Thomas in intellectual virtues. It's actually described by him uh, under the virtue of temperance. Right. So okay, let's be let's be aware of the fact that what's being appealed to are our passions. Right. There's just most basic kind of animal movements of the heart, and we need to cultivate virtues that help to keep our passions in check, that moderate the movement of our passions, so that way we aren't tossed about, and that way we don't feel ourselves utterly awash in the news, uh, like wallowing in the news, as it were. Um, So 
when we like when we approach approach a news page, especially if it's a compilation of news topics, and we're sorting out among which those which things we need to stay apprised of, I think that um, that we can see you know which are appealing to us in a base way, which are appealing to us in a crass way, and even just scanning through like a, a Catholic news site, I'll just you know like New Advent compiles a lot of things. And sometimes those things are outrageous. And even just navigating from top to bottom, if you're looking at headlines, it can it can actually affect your interior life. You know, it can make you sad. Absolutely. It can make you angry. Absolutely. It can throw you for a loop. And so so part of so getting into practicals, part of what we can do is to try to find compilations that don't appeal so much to outrage or don't appeal so much to, to anger and sadness, um, but rather that are trying to give you snippets that are just um, more so news lines. You know, they're just giving you a sense of where things are you know, how the chips fall, the hand that you've been dealt so that you're better able to play it. Right, right. No, I, I, I'm, that desire for objectivity um, is, is, of course, very important as we, as we moderate our own, as we moderate our own interactions with the news. Um, and, I, and I think to gain that, one of the things that we can be asking ourselves, you know, as you're suggesting mo- moderating our passions is, we can say, do I have the time to really invest in this? Mm. If we're going to decide to read a particular piece, um, in order, in order to really process something and to enter into it and be able to critique it well, we have we have to decide that we're going to give it due consideration. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we're looking at a headline, we have to say, is this is this worth is this worth me entering into um, this particular debate? Am I am I willing to take this position seriously? Mm-hmm. And if you simply want to feel self righteous for being better than that particular view. Um, or if you if you want to feel angry or sad, uh, you know, as you're as you're suggesting, um, then the answer probably is don't read it. Um, and to to begin to ask that question, can I can I give the time to this uh, to really consider it at length? Um, I, I think that's an important that that can be an important um, kind of examination of conscience. And I think too that leads us to a point that we harp on with some frequency, namely that the purpose of human life isn't to be abreast of the news. The purpose of human life is contemplative, so we're meant to know God and to love God, and that our consumption of the news should fit within that. So if we find ourselves reading the news just in snippets, only short enough snippets with which to be outraged or saddened, then maybe what we're doing is we're just filling time with news, right? We're not giving time to the Lord. I, I think I've mentioned this before, perhaps in conversation with you, where um, 2020 for me is like the goal is unitasking. Yes. Um, and the goal is not to fill short snippets of time. So say like, you know, I, I'm going to a campus to do a TI visit and I have a meeting with somebody at 11, a meeting with somebody at 12.15, a meeting with somebody at 1.30, a meeting with somebody at 2.45. And let's say that like somebody cancels on me. Or let's say that one of the meetings goes short because this student has to go to a class. I've got a couple minutes where I'm sitting in a coffee shop waiting for the next person. I can do any number of things, right? I could catch up on email. I could edit an Aquinas 101 video. I could, you know, edit a God's planning track or something like that. Or I could think about the Lord, you know, I could think about the Lord. Um, and if, if like my first instinct is I have 12 minutes and it's a kind of like animal fear, you know, the kind of panicked look that you see in the eye of a squirrel when it, when it's misplaced, it's acorn, you know, it's like, and, and then I just, I consume the news in that spirit that I'm probably not going to derive much fruit from it. Right. But if I, if I think like, all right, Lord, here we are, you and me just living our lives, um, you so in an infinitely and simply 
in a transcendent way, me in a kind of hilarious and anxious <laughs> way, um, what, what will become of us? You know, it, it might be that I can read a news item and think about it well. But if it's the kind of thing where it's just going to get me stirred up so that I'm distracted for the first 15 minutes of my next conversation, probably no bueno. Um, so yeah, just to kind of bring it back there to the contemplative dimension. News should fit within a contemplative movement. We're trying to know God, we're trying to love God, and the news can be part of that, especially as it informs our work, and as it informs our advocacy, as it informs our prayer. Um, but it shouldn't just be the type of thing that throws us for a loop. Right. So often we're driven by this fear of missing out, right? We think, oh no, you know, I have to, I have to know as much as I can about what's going on. Um, now, some some people readily dismiss this and say, you know, I don't care about the news at all, and they, and they just stop engaging. Um, and so they, they they aren't challenged by this fear of missing out by this FOMO, um, but but some people are. But one one thing, one really easy thing to do that I would very deeply recommend is to turn off the notifications on your phone. Mm. Do not let that um, little internet box tell you. <laughs> what you're missing out on. Just turn them off. That way you can decide the terms of your engagement. Um, you, can, you can be the master of your study and of your pursuit. And if you do that, if you turn off notifications, um, you can um, engage um, more deeply in, in the solitary nature that's really required for contemplation, right? Um, so so we, we have a few words that we want to say about solitude. Um, I've kind of pushed this in my own way a little bit in my classroom. So I, I've, I've told my students that um, what vegans are to food, my classroom is to technology. <laughs> if you think you want it, you can't have it. <laughs> when this is a pure return to nature state. Um, and the reason is because to do theology, to do it well, um, you have to have a kind of contemplative spirit. And if you have your uh, little magic internet box out, um, if you have your laptop out, if you have whatever device out, the temptation is just too great uh, to be distracted, to be thinking well. Um, and, and I think that I think that solitude is necessarily and fundamentally connected to contemplation. Yeah, I um, I was reading from Walker Percy's essays, Message in a Bottle, recently, and a lot of it I didn't understand. <laughs> if I'm honest. Well, you said we were reading Walker Percy. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was especially arcane because it's it's a lot of essays about semiotics, and you're like, whoa, what's whoa. going on? <laughs> um, but in an essay called Message in a Bottle, he writes this. He's he's describing a castaway who is on an island and he's trying to examine phenomenologically just like that is to say he's trying to consult what he thinks the man's experience would be as he searched for news mm. so whether it's news from the island or whether it's news from across the seas and he says this he says then what should uh then what should be done it is not for me to say here that he that is the castaway do this or that or should believe such and such but one thing is certain he should be what he is and not pretend to be somebody else. He should be a castaway and not pretend to be at home on the island. To be a castaway is to be in a grave predicament, and this is not a happy state of affairs. But it is very much happier than being a castaway and pretending one is not. This is despair. The worst of all despairs is to imagine one is at home when one is really homeless. And I think, wow. yeah, as, as concerns our consumption of the news, I think that we will only really have the news when we're in heaven. We'll only really have the news in a way that's objective and that gives us all there is to be known, all the news of which we are capable. And I think that our desire to consume news now is sometimes informed by a frantic spirit to participate in the beatific vision before it's given by God. Right, right. Right, but truth be told, we're castaways, right? We're homeless. We're not at home. So we're never going to be perfectly well informed 
Uh, there's always going to be a bit of fake news on offer. We're going to have to do the work of judging what's good and what's not. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to feel outside of the loop. But that's okay because the purpose of our feeling outside of the loop isn't so that we can be isolated or alienated, but it's rather so that we can enter into that solitude and then offer it to the Lord so that he can attend to it. Because we hope for a vision of God, a loving vision of God, which will entirely fill our minds with lights and insights uh, and a kind of intellectual dynamism that satisfies us unto eternity. So yeah, we can't be satisfied with, you know, just the crass recounting of facts that make you... I don't know, like uh, to be consulted at cocktail parties. <laughs> I don't know why I always give examples about cocktail parties. Nobody has cocktail parties anymore. Jammers, ragers. Um, <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, something along those lines. I think it's just it's just good to recognize that there's a, there's a solitude at the core of our being. That's not to say we're supposed to feel alone or lonely at all times, but there's a kind of sadness to the human state because we are homeless until such time as we are brought home. Right. Right. And I I think um, I, I think. What, um, absolutely the direction you're taking to us is one of the last things that I wanted to say so thank, no, thank you for bringing the conversation back to me Dang. and everything that I think is important um, so you know that's that's very good um, my natural little entree here uh, I think that um, I think too uh, another great question to ask after asking am I willing to engage this seriously um, you know j- just to re- just to rephrase the direction that you've been taking us um, just that we need to consider asking ourselves Am I willing to take this to Christ? If I'm reading, if I'm reading the story about um, people, am I willing to pray for them? Am I willing to recognize their humanity and the dignity that they have, or, or do I think that they're they're just figures? Um, you know, ev- everything that we put into our minds, everything that we see with our eyes, everything that we hear with our ears affects affects our interior life. And it's not, it's not the case that we can divorce it, um, any, anything that we've put in from our own relationship with Christ. So my um, last exhortation is to, to actually pray, um, to take to Christ, um, to take to Christ every, everything that we see and hear in the news. So uh, thanks for tuning in to God's Planning. Um, it's been a joy being with you. If you like what you're hearing, please share our podcast. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, so ironically on this podcast about the news we're, we're now talking about everywhere we are on the internet yeah. um, but again the goal is the goal is to uh, to continue to think about higher things and if um, sharing God's planning and inviting people to listen um, helps you you and others to think about God then we've our, we've achieved our aim um, so tune in soon for our next episode peace for now Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.